0: Well, happy podcasting day. I am, as usual, very excited to be here, very excited to get started on this content and um, see where it rolls for sure. So, I had to take a drink because I forgot to do that before I started for some reason, but this is Rachel Vote and this is A Good Girl's Guide 2 podcast. So, uh, if you dig free content, you're clearly in the right space. This is definitely some place to get that. You can also head on over to A Good Girl's Guide 2 on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for free content that's dropping daily. Uh, every Monday night, I do a live on my Facebook, and then I swing on over to the VIP page. So, if you are 18 years or older and have feminine energy, and you're looking for a place for sexual wellness and intimacy building, then let me know, and I'll get you invited to that group, too. There's a party dropping tomorrow, actually a dirty 30 party. So if you are interested in learning a little bit about how some aids and product can help with building that intimacy, then that's a place to be Full show. Sure. You can also get free and discounted products. Just let me know if you're interested and we can hook you up with that. One-to-one classes still, or one, I just combined two things. One-to-one sessions are still the number one thing that people are reaching out to me to do. I've got three today, so I'm so freaking excited. It's just magical, beautiful, and uh, feels my heart for sure. So if you're somebody who is ready to really get the momentum on change for yourself, but in your relationships, your wealth, your mental and physical well-being, your spirituality and or your purpose, then that's what you want to do. We can really focus on you and those goals and digging to the belief system that may need to be reevaluated. And if you're not really ready for the one-to-one or you're not quite sure what personal development's all about, then you could absolutely do a class. Every month, at the end of the, at last Wednesday of the month is what it is, we do a Zoom class. So if you are new, it's a really great way to understand what personal development is all about and how it really inter integrates with your life. If you're somebody who took a pause on your personal development, that's a great way to kind of kick back into it. And then also, maybe you have a group of girlfriends, um, or friends in general, of course. it's Everybody deserves to have the their best life possible. Uh, then you guys can take it together. I've, I've had plenty of people do that, and that was a lot of fun for me. So... Lots of ways to get on, getting on with what I'm doing over here with The Good Girls Guide too. So this conversation is actually not even the one I wanted to have today. I actually have like two other notes piles going on on, on the corner of my desk because luckily I've gotten smarter as ideas come to my brain. I actually start writing them down, but it's weird because you would think that if I wrote them down, it means that I'm ready to like share it. And it's not that I'm not ready to share those. It's like this thing that I have right here in front of me to talk about today. Uh, it just took precedence. Um, I I went through some stuff over the weekend, decided that it was something I wanted to get off my chest for myself, but also because it was so raw, it'd be a really good time to be able to share it. So I did a live about it on Monday and I wanted to kind of do an expansion conversation about this. So if you are on Facebook uh, and you are in the VIP lounge, I would recommend going to take a peek at that. If you like that, that, this is definitely the cliff notes version that happened on the 30th that was in the group. Uh, And So here's a little bit of conversation I wanted to expand upon today and, um, I really hope you get something from it. It's going to definitely encompass some conversations about your body, how you feel about intimacy and sex and being touched. It's also going to be a conversation about kind of delving into the roots of these. Uh, This conversation we'll be talking about today is something that stems for me from definitely early childhood, but very prominently through middle school and the power of words that we have over people, over ourselves, uh, the power of emotion and the energetic connection that it leaves as a scar in your body in your memory system in your uh, response system uh, so on and so forth and so you're, you're not crazy if you feel like you're struggling with falling in love with yourself or letting go of something somebody said to you years ago because this is all real and and that's really the conversation I wanted to have today about this while I'll be sharing an incredibly personal story it's it's not about that it's about the intricacies like I had mentioned that I really hope you'll be able to to piece together for yourself and understanding man, I can relate to that I can relate to that I can relate to that And seeing how worthy you are of discovering your complex uh, instruction booklet basically is what I'm saying.'re you're, you're discovering the instruction booklet that that came with you but you didn't know existed so you could really figure out how you function. And how you'll want to function going forward. So the the title of my live the other night was I cried after sex last night. And that is only because if I am playing to the business side of my strength. I know what kind of titles I need to put on a live for it to be catchy. It's the same as a title for a podcast. And sometimes I really let that go because I'm just lazy and I'm like, blah, 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 whatever. But an eye-catching title obviously draws people in. What I really wanted to title the live was why I hate my breasts and my arms. And, um, that was more truthful than the conversation of, or the title of I cried after sex last night. But if people see that I want to talk about my own sex life and people want to see that I'm talking about the fact that I cried after sex, I just knew that I was going to draw people in. And that's not to pull the wool over your eyes because that's exactly what the conversation was about, but it was much more emotional than juicy, which I I think is probably what people obviously anticipate seeing when they, when they think about seeing a conversation around sex. Right. So, um, There's been, like, an ongoing thing in my relationship where I have been working on, obviously, anything, I'm sure... I'm sure anybody can relate to that. Maybe you have something in your relationship where maybe you're not a huge physical touch person in general. And so that's a struggle in your relationship. Maybe you're not somebody who often thinks about other people, not because you're selfish, but just because you were never primed to do so. So like you never think about mentioning to your partner, Hey, I'm on my way home from work. Do you need anything from the store? Or you never think about the fact that, you know, you're going out to dinner with your friends and you should invite them along, you know, even if they're not going to go, just like giving them the invitation. So stuff like that, everybody's got something right. And excuse me, personally, in my relationship recently, It's been connecting with my partner and learning to connect with my partner, not kind of in new ways, but not really in, I would say classically speaking, I would just have physical touch. Okay. There's some things that I want to be okay with and wasn't feeling okay with and the root of it, like the the blanket statement I can give to you is that like it's like any place when, in retrospect, by the way, like I'm 35 years old. And every time I thought about this up until now, I had never correlated the fact that every place that I felt uncomfortable for somebody to touch me, not just my husband, but any intimate partner would be any place that would be considered erotic, I, I, I don't mind like, like my breasts, like the top of my chest to be touched, but I do not like my nipples to be touched. I don't like anything um, clitor- clitoris, labia inside the body of the vagina. Like none of that feels comfortable for me. So much to the point, like even like a really great leg massage, like if it if the leg massage creeps too high to my thighs, I start to tense my body. Like it's not even necessarily anywhere near my vulva, but it totally makes my legs tense up. And even like a good tush massage, like I love a good butt massage. If you have not had one, get one. Uh, we sit on those all day long. But a gluteus maximus type of massage is not erotic really at all. It feels incredibly good because you have such a large muscle back there. But if anybody was to rub even like slightly underneath underneath my butt cheek like near a thigh I could feel my entire body like try to shut down and so the reason that's important to me is because like I didn't notice that that was happening really like I knew I was uncomfortable like please don't touch me there please don't touch me there and that was like something I would vocally be screaming in my brain but uh, it was it didn't register as problematic like it just was like that's just my preference the reason I share that with you is because I had a, kind of a breakdown About this, like, I think the reason it started to kind of spiral for me, like one of the first floodgate pieces to it was that I had this aha moment that I'm one of those people that when you talk about, like, I've said this before, like, I don't think my story sometimes is quote unquote dramatic enough or terrible enough or like I suffered enough to be worthy to share because i know women who have been sexually assaulted and raped i know people who have um i mean it doesn't matter you know you just, I, I just don't think that my story is dirty enough to air laundry about i guess and because of that because i compared my story to other people's i didn't think i had trauma i didn't think that because i wasn't like physically thrown against a wall or anybody ever like a like left a bruise on my body that I was not traumatized that there wasn't anything that offset the way that I should have thought about my body relationships men and that wasn't just done by an individual that was done by culture that was 1000% for me done way more by culture and a lack of conversation from my parents They did not parent me about relationships. Uh, I witnessed, you know, obviously watching them. But music, movies, TV, books, those were where I learned about relationships. And the reason this is important is because I've been unhealthy for as long as I can remember. Um... And I use the word unhealthy because the first quote unquote diet that I got put on I was I was younger. I was kindergarten or younger. I can't remember the exact age, but it had to be obviously five or younger. And I was taking cholesterol pills. I remember my mom used to open up had to open them up and put them in an applesauce, ironically. Applesauce, okay, anyway. Um, because I couldn't swallow the pill. I was too little. And I remember the little, tiny little little things that came out of the pill, they were white, they tasted disgusting, I hated it. And I don't know if I'd asked my mom why I needed to be taking these or she just happened to tell me. Um, she didn't say anything like it didn't scare me, but I just remember her saying, like, you know, something about your cholesterol is high, so you just need to take these pills. Uh, she switched me from ice cream to sherbet. I said that like a turd, because I never say that. I say sherbet. But anyways, okay. She switched me from ice cream to sherbet, and that is it. That is all that I remember in terms of any type of dietary change. Um, I was a spaghetti o kid. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. My point is, is that. That's why I use the word unhealthy. I've been unhealthy for as long as I can remember because my first quote-unquote diet was before kindergarten and I say unhealthy because I didn't know that I was fat or even if I was fat to be frank. Uh, When I see pictures of myself as a young young child I don't think I was fat. I think that I'm I had some like it's making me emotional because I am reliving it all of a sudden. I had some like healthy roles as a child But I would, I don't know, this is just my perception, if it was just because my sister was always smaller than I was or what. But I don't, I know that I was fat at some points, but I don't know when it started. I do know that other people were the ones that told me I was fat. Uh, I shared in the live a specific example. I can remember walking to school and somebody in my inner circle saying like, you can't walk across that bridge because there's a two ton weight limit. And I didn't really even understand what that meant. But I understood that it was meant to be hurtful. And I can remember, um, somebody very close to me telling me, um, again, this is all before kindergarten or this is all before second grade because the specific house that we lived in, I can remember. Okay. Um, somebody telling me that both of their thighs equaled the size of one of my thighs. Um, when your arms rest naturally at your side and they're, could potentially be some skin between your arm and your chest wall like right where your armpit would rest on one side of my body not both sides of my body but on one side of my body there was some skin there and somebody in my inner circle used to like poke that and make fun of it and I don't even know but other people told me I was fat including strangers I'd never met including strangers I'd never met I remember this was after second grade this would have been third grade or third third to fifth grade let's just say I remember walking through backyards with a friend of mine because we were trying to go to the school ironically to play football with a bunch of boys um it was her and I and we we cut through some backyards like not backyards backyards like these there was like a commons area with trees and bushes and so on and so forth so we cut through to get to school faster and when we were coming Close to the school, I think we we must have edited up in somebody's yard to get out of the the commons area or something. And they in their backyard they had not an actual wooden fence like picture. You'll know what I'm saying. Like just two two wooden poles that are probably about ten to twelve feet long, and they have two wooden poles in each of them so it looks like a fence but it's really just more for decor okay the reason that's important is because we're climbing over it and somebody like shouts out an open window from the house but you can't see where from or who it is and they were like like please don't walk in my lawn and they didn't say please but they were like something to that effect like you shouldn't be walking in my lawn and so like we're like oh sorry about that you know and um then the voice who was a female by the way continued with, and don't you think you're a little bit too big to be climbing over that anyway? And, uh, obviously that was directed at me. My girlfriend I was with was smaller than I was. Neither of us said anything to each other. I don't even know that we made eye contact with one another. Uh, That was devastating. That was so devastating. Um, and that happened in this neighborhood that I live in now, which is what I also talked about, was... But let's get into this conversation about it because I, I, that, is, that is an important point is that I live in the same neighborhood that I lived in when I moved in third grade. So <clears throat> in middle school, I don't know what my body type was when I got to middle school. Like I said, once somebody or a group of people kind of beat it into my brain that I was fat, I thought I was fat in all of middle school all of high school. I mean, like, I just, it just was. That was my identity, okay? Regardless. Of, and I didn't know what I weighed because I, like, refused to step on a scale because I was so embarrassed, of course, of, of who I was. So getting to middle school was a huge game changer for me because, uh, as you probably know, middle school has a collection of a lot of elementary schools. And so you are exposed to a lot of more people all of a sudden. You may keep your same social circles. Um, I did not because uh, there was so many new people that I collectively ended up having the same schedules with because we were um, we were in differentiated classes. So you could only take one class at one time. So we quite literally had like five out of seven classes together every single day um, for the entire year, it, it's starting in seventh grade. So we were a close-knit group. There was just really not, not not many ways around not hanging out with each other. And that's okay because it was a really good group for me, especially because I loved academics. And I loved the fact that I was with other people who were challenged um, in, in their classes. So I, I made some friends and all of my new best friends were not people I went to elementary school with. I still had those girlfriends and I had good friendships, but I, these women were people that I was with all the time. And by the time we were in eighth grade, we obviously that was that was the second year that we were in middle school because things were different. We had seventh, eighth, and ninth grade back then. Um, we had been friends for a year, so we had a pretty solid friendship that was going on. And at that time, I was still. I mean, not only do you know you don't know much about your own body, or you're not you're not feeling so insecure about who you are. In addition to that, you have puberty going on, right? So you're going through all of these awkwardnesses and. Nobody's talking to me about it. Nobody's telling me what to expect. Nobody's like reassuring me, right? So it's already awkward as hell. I'm sweating every day so much so that I should be wearing like maxi pads in my armpits. But I wore like the same sweatshirt every day in ninth grade because I sweat so bad. So, um... Basically, I just like I feel like I'm just like floating out there all by myself without any type of support and understanding any of this. Okay, that's what my, that, that was what my understanding was. Okay. So, in 8th grade, I started taking a kickboxing class with my cousin, and we took the class purely out of learning self-defense. Like there was not any inkling or conversation about the fact that we were going to do this class to lose weight. It had it was literally not even it was like the furthest furthest thing from my mind, which is beautiful by the way because it was something that I loved 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 to do. Um so that sneaky exercise, you know, when you love to do it, you don't feel like you're actually exercising. And the reason that's important is because after doing the kickboxing class for quite a few months, one of my best friends in the social circle came to me and was like, you look great. Like you're losing weight. Did you know that? Like I didn't, I had no idea when she said that to me, it was like a total shock. It was a total shock that she had noticed that about me. But, uh, when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see anything different. I did not see anything different. I was so skewed to just hating the body that I had and trying to hide it in any way, shape, or form that I could and overcompensating with things I could control, like my hair and my makeup. I got in trouble for wearing makeup in elementary school. All it was was foundation, but my mom found it on my shirt, but, um... I know that that's why I'm an incredibly feminine person. I know that that's why I attribute a lot of my identity to that kind of thing, because again, I can control the length of my hair. I can control the styling of it for the most part. I can control how I contour my eyebrows. I can control what lip color I wear. Um, And that's something that people have identified for me for years, for years from a very young age that I was very feminine and oh my God, your hair is gorgeous, oh my gosh. Um, all that whatever your nails even your nails your nails are long they're painted I love them whatever okay Um, why because I couldn't control my weight and I could not control the way my body looked and so those were things I could control so that's what I did all right so when this girl told me that I was losing weight like I I really didn't feel a certain way about it to be frank because I, I again I didn't know it was just it was kind of like it made me feel good but it was very much a passing fleeting moment okay and so we go on through eighth grade right and So when it's time to do our yearbook photos in eighth grade, again, I really did not know that my body had changed. That's important because I didn't know how to dress my body. I was not really interested in fashion back then, by the way. It was just, again, ways that I could hide my body Was what I was trying to do, but apparently, The um, problem I ran into not knowing how to style for myself was that I didn't wear a very flattering shirt, which I did not know until later when my best friend who was telling me about how I lost weight would come to tell me that one of our other best friends had described the way that I looked in that photo as a blow-up doll. I would assume because I was flat chested and that I had gained weight and lost weight that my arms were probably not very proportionate to my body I can remember the photo I was wearing a slight gray shirt that was long sleeve my hair was about the same length it is now actually so about to like my boobs Um, I had a lot of layers in it and it was styled I had lip gloss on I remember that I had to wear glasses which I was embarrassed about to begin with but I had put a lot of effort into that photo I know that i did i know that i was unhappy with my seventh grade photo so i intentionally wanted to to look nice and i knew that that was going to be in a yearbook and so to hear that somebody described me as a blow-up doll was it wasn't quite the nail in the coffin but it was pretty damn close for sure and uh as i mentioned in the live the thing that was really crappy about the story was that the friend had said that my friend emily was the one who had said that i looked like a blow-up doll and at the time Emily was a bigger girl than I was. And that was really, really hard. And obviously something that was um, easy for me to snap about, right? Because... Because that's what a bully mentality is, is all of a sudden I'm going to look for somebody that I can hurt easier than myself because I wasn't in a healthy place to be able to absorb that insult and let it brush off of me and go, well, that person's opinion to me doesn't matter. And I'm worthy enough of my own love and I'm not emotionally I'm not emotionally secure enough to be able to intellectually have that. That conversation with myself anyway so again this is retrospect being able to look back and go mm. so I decided I was gonna start treating her like crap like talking crap about her um I don't I mean I don't know that I really said anything about her way because that didn't feel like something I was qualified to do but I was a shit I was a shit for sure. And so this drama between the two of us goes on for a while because she doesn't even know what's going on. She's like, why are you so upset with me? What did I do with you? And and instead of having a conversation, I would just say stupid shit like, you know, you know what you did, you know. And she didn't. (sighs) Again, intuition wise, I should have known better because looking back, she was so genuinely, authentically upset. Like she did not know what and she... She never wavered on, like, I don't have any idea what it was that I did. Well, in our group of friends, it got so bad, like, between our friends that, like, nobody was taking sides. Nobody was really kind of, like, calling me out of my bullshit. But the friend who had initially come to me to tell me that Emily had said I looked like a blow-up doll, eventually, in the inner circle of friends when I wasn't around, said, you know, guys, I think I was the one that said that about Rachel and that never came to light through her I never heard about that from her I never got an apology and there was never any explanation um, you know and that really sucks because not that I needed to hold her accountable and make her suffer for what she did but it was that there was such a bad ripple effect in our friendships after that like I don't know I'm I couldn't even remember I hope that I said that I was sorry to Emily I hope that I apologize for whatever misunderstanding Uh, And she did forgive me because we remained friends for a little while afterwards. But the damage was done, you know, like they could see the true colors that came out in me that when I was hurt, I was going to go balls to the wall to be nasty. And I don't know that it really it didn't necessarily affect the social circle going forward, really. Like we didn't really have that many blowouts. But my point is really more so that it definitely did its damage to me. You know, I think that they might have started ousting me subconsciously on their side at some point. Maybe I started getting invited to getting invited to less things or whatever. I I don't hold that against them if they did or did not. That's an assumption that I'm making, but I believe that I myself started distancing from them because of what happened. And not really because I couldn't trust them again, but because they had already hurt me. I, I do think, I don't think that majority of those women were such good people to me and when I was such a bad friend to them. But I think that that's what it was about. I think that my insecurity was I have already been shown that I can be hurt and I will not go through that again. So instead, I just started segregating myself from the social group. And that's really important because before that happened, later that same year, the same year that, you know, my best friend... Um, I'll just use this word, betrays me. I know it's been like 20 years, but processing it, that's how it feels. And th- it doesn't matter because it'll come full circle later. But in that moment, it felt like I was betrayed. I was betrayed by this group of friends that had really become like a family to me because my my parents had already, I'm going to use this loosely, my parents had already stopped parenting me. My dad was already never around a whole lot to begin with because he worked an insanely weird schedule he never worked a set schedule he was a basically he was a railroader so he could be on for 12 hours and as long as he worked 12 hours he had to to get off work and go rest and it didn't necessarily mean that was literally what they called it go rest um so that didn't necessarily mean if he was in lincoln either like he drove a train someplace so he would go and be off 12 hours there rest and then come back to lincoln and as long as he was back in lincoln for 12 hours he could get called to go back to work at any time so he was not home a lot and by the time I was in middle school, I was the third kid. I was the third kid. Uh, my brother was five years older than me and my sister is... I was born in 85 and she's born in 82. So she's three years. Anyways, so they were older than me. They had jobs. My brother was like, you know, either already graduated or almost graduated. So they were more independent. My mother was already emotionally um, on the tail end of their relationship. That was when it started to kind of happen. So... I believe my mother was checked out. I think that after having three children before the age of 30, um, I think she was tired. I think she was done. Um, I think she did the best she could with what she had. But by the time I was 14, I was spending entire weekends by myself at my house because my mom was out at this private lake that my parents had a camping spot at and my dad would be working. So, you know, I was left to my own devices, which obviously did not fare very well for me. And so these women became that social circle for me. Those families, I spent so many nights at so many other people's houses that it just, those, I, I, I can't even. Like, I it sucks that I was such a pissant, and I know that those, those mothers could probably, and I know not, that's not that they could, I know that those mothers saw some things in me that absolutely gave them red flags, but I was just a kid, and I didn't know that, I just I could just feel that they didn't like me. You know what I mean? I didn't know why. I didn't know what I was doing wrong. Uh, but those friends became the biggest support system that I had had. And so once that, bur- that that first burned bridge happened, I don't think that I felt safe. So I had to start it. I started to exile myself. But like I said, before that happened, in that same year, that same year I had been dating... Boys in general, but I'd been dating this one guy, and he was he was um, new to the school in eighth grade, so I don't know if like that was part of the allure. But he was in the he ended up joining in the diff classes with us, so he ended up in our social circle, and uh, we dated off and on. Um, and to be fair, in his regard, you know, like I was I was a shit. Like I didn't have good relationship skills to begin with. I was definitely like a hot and cold and back and forth person. I was one thousand percent a nasty ass. Like I would need to probably date whatever whatever boy I felt more attracted to or made me feel better about myself or even was more popular or more athletic or whatever because that would make make me feel better about myself I suppose but so that is in his defense like nothing that I'm about to tell you will excuse the behavior but it again retrospect I'm not trying to play the ultimate victim here I was I was not an innocent person. Um, And this is kind of ironic because when I told the story Monday, I was like bawling like a baby. And today I'm trying to be like as transparent as I can. So I'm sharing a little bit more about, you know, the backside of the story for me where I was kind of nasty, but this is important for me to process just as much as it is for me to process the hurt and the pain that came from my middle school relationships, because it doesn't leave me innocent. I cultivated and created that, that reality for myself from a lack of, knowing how to process relationships from a lack of watching for my parent watching my parents having a lack of intimacy in their relationship and all the good things that they needed that's who that defined me to be was the same type of person even at a young age and so it's so important for me to be able to recognize that my my I'm going to say quote-unquote bad behaviors uh, about being a woman about being in a relationship it started then and so I was I wasn't, I wasn't deserving of this behavior, but I was definitely cultivating other people to feel ways about me to, to make this happen, I guess, you know, and I would agree fully that, you know, when people make fun of other people, when people bully other people, when people try to control others, you know, that is always about an insecurity we have in ourselves. I would agree with that. I would agree with that so that girl saying that thing about me in the blow-up doll I don't I don't know what the I don't know what that was about I don't know what what was triggering her to want to say something bad about one of her best friends like that that was it was completely unprovoked by the way and I think that that's the worst thing about it for me is that I know I'm squirreling all over the place but I am processing so I apologize but as somebody who who is who who would then become who I became after that ripple effect happened in our friendship it it sucked because i was never a person to start rumors about people i was never a person like i'm sure i talked with my friends but i don't i didn't talk about people prior to that and that is not who i want to be anyway but it's just it's just important to hear because when i talk about like the power of our words and we you know you talk about you were 14 you were 15 you were 12 years old yes Yes, and so if you have children, I beg of you to think about listening to their conversations to each other. So like, you know, like when my boys jokingly say, you're stupid, you know, like I halt that stuff. I halt that stuff because you might not think twice about something just like ripping fun at somebody you love, but the words matter, the language matters. And it, it, it quite literally embedded me into 20 years of figuring some crap out, right? So after this yearbook photo incident, I had been dating this guy off and on and we were not I don't think we were dating no we definitely weren't dating at the time but he had been in a social circle with a group of guys that I had dated and liked two other guys in that social circle and it's not like I was like pouring around like I had mentioned we were all kind of in a tight social circle I mean it's middle school to begin with so you know you're limited to who you're dating and everybody's dating each other because they're also excited about hormones and and new people uh it's just as relevant to the story because it's It's like these guys, and these guys like reciprocally liked me back too. So it wasn't like I was just like stalking them. At some point we had had interest in each other. I didn't date two of them and we just liked each other. And then I was dating this one guy. So they were all together doing God knows what. Band practice is my understanding later at the story. Uh, Found me on Instant Messenger, which back in the day for you youngins, that's just like Facebook Messenger, but it was through your internet provider. They made up a fake profile, Uh, so they basically catfished me back in the day before that was even a thing, and just, like, messaged me um, for, I don't know, similar similar interests, and back then, y'all, that was when it was, like, actually semi-safe to completely talk to a stranger online, you know, you would message them and find out your location and age and date, and, I mean, God knows how safe you really were, but they did that. They set me up, and we were, like, talking and chatting, and eventually... I still did not know where who they were they didn't allude they didn't pretend like they went to my school or anything like that but eventually it came into them insulting me and saying really rude things and the thing that stuck out the most for me was the fact that they had said well if you weren't fat you wouldn't have breasts anyway and I don't even know oh my god I do know oh my god it just came back to me because I was like I don't even remember how I found out about that but so here we were we were um instant messaging like on a friday night that's what she did in middle school right and i had been messaging one of my girlfriends at the same time i was like some dude just messaged me and she was like oh really that's cool you know so like i was telling her what they were saying as they were saying it and then when i when i told her they said that about me god i can't remember which best friend it was but she was like oh my god rachel that's so and so and so and so she's like they told me they were messaging you and you know like whatever but when they started saying stuff like that i just i had to tell you And so that's how I found out it was them. Okay, so that was obviously, that was it. That was, for me, that was it. That was the nail in the coffin, retrospectively speaking. I didn't know it at the time. But that's what, that was it, okay? The reason I want to share that with you is because my dear friend Emily, the one that I was such an asshat to, would defend me later to those men. Like, it just ended up being one guy in particular. But... I can see it so clearly in my brain. They were, she, she was just, she was so upset about it. Um, and she offered to speak to him and I was like, absolutely. Like I wanted him to know how much it hurt me and so on and so forth. So one day at lunch she like asked if she could talk to him and she sat him down and the conversation went till after lunch which is kind of a big deal in middle school you know you don't do not you don't, you don't not do what you're supposed to but everybody's walking away from lunch and the two of them are still sitting at a lunch table and I walk by and she catches my eye and she kind of like winks at me and like I just smiled so big and I can remember grabbing my chest because I was like I can't believe she did that for me I can't believe I can't believe I was important enough for her to sit somebody down and really share that, you know, and eh, whatever came out of that. I don't even remember to be frank, but it was just, thank you, Emily. Thank you so much for, for being such a good friend to me back then. I would later write her an apology letter, um, just to let her know how much she meant to me years after, but (sighs) I digress. So that was it. Like I'd mentioned earlier, that was it for me. That was, that was, that was the final straw. And so Not long after I started kind of detaching from that social, that social group, they all kind of remained friends for sure, especially through high school. A lot of them did. Uh, I kind of found a new group of friends, which were great for me, by the way, they ended up being my friends through high school and after that. So it was, well, I shouldn't say that it was like probably the best group of friends, Um, but it was definitely people I could vibe with. And it was people I would, I would still have teenage drama and angst with, but I found my people. Okay. And I had to detach myself from something I loved to do, which was school. I loved doing stuff for school. I like being involved in school. I like being in clubs and and stuff like that. And that, that totally changed when I left that group. And I think that primarily that was because that group was so involved in school and sports and stuff like that too, that I I couldn't. Like I tried when I got to high school to kind of find some other clubs to be a part of and just didn't work for me. It wasn't, I wasn't feeling the vibe of it. So feeling outcasted and isolated internally would eventually push me out of this high school that I was in because my social circle became everything they became um the basketball players they became the football players they became uh even drama like they were everywhere because they they were all over the school I had that constant reminder Uh, subconsciously, again, it was, there was no animosity. Like I didn't feel bitter or angry towards them. It was just kind of like one of those things you feel like you kind of outgrew each other, I suspect, but uh, that's just what it was. And so when an opportunity became available for me to switch high schools, I jumped at the chance. I jumped at the chance. Again, in retrospect, I think I assumed that things would be different. I think that I made up that my senior year would be some fairy tale about the way high school was supposed to be. Uh, because I was going to get away from the high school that I was in. And it was crazy weird, by the way, because the high school reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be on some type of like student leadership board where they basically like helped plan the launch of the school. And then I was a part of the launch and welcoming new students and so on and so forth. Well, that did not fare well for me. Okay, like s- school was fine. Like I graduated just fine with honor. But, but my point was, is that it didn't replace the, the quote unquote problems I had been having before or feeling before. Uh, It didn't change. Right. So why would the environment all of a sudden fix that just because I was still insecure and still unhealed and so on and so forth? Well, it didn't. And so I got out of high school, I graduated, did all that thing. Right. But during that time frame, I also got a job like most 15 year olds tend to do. And getting the job would be probably one of the most pivotal things that I can tell you about my life right now. Because it was the first job I had. I know a lot of people do fast food. Well, back in the day, there was this thing called the USA Steak Buffet. It's basically like what Golden Corral was, but it was local. And um, that my sister worked there and I, that was my first job. That was my first job. And it was an interesting environment to say the least because un, unlike a fast food joint where, I don't even know because I never worked fast food, uh, this place was a little bit different because you had minimum 30 employees and two thirds of them were school age kids like high school and younger. So there was this huge, it was like, it was like a mini high school all of a sudden and retention was terrible. So you were always meeting new people from different schools and so on and so forth. But the most important part about this is that when I started, when I was 15, when I started there, when I was 15, there were boys there. There were boys there that were older than me. There were boys there that were more mature than me. There was boys there that went to different schools. So they had no idea about my past. And, I always had appeal to men. I always, there was, did I always have the man that I wanted? No. But did I always have male interest? 1000%. And that's so important because when I started at the steak buffet, there were men there who, and I I say men, but they were 15. Like I never dated anybody that was um, over the age of 18. I think they were all within a year of me anyway. But my point is, is that these men, as I would kind of think them to be, right, teenagers of course but they were unconditionally interested in my body unconditionally interested in my body and I I, I might go into a little bit more detail here than I did in my live because this also allows me to do that but um that made me uncomfortable like I wasn't I wasn't interested I was not interested in in pursuing things like that. But at the same time, I was a 15 year old with hormones who had been rejected because of my body, not because of my personality, not because of my humor, not because of my intellect, quite literally because of my body, I had been cast aside. And so for somebody to have interest in it limitlessly, it was dangerous. And I put myself in that position for years. For years after that. And although there were more than one red flag, there was more than one occasion where it was blatantly obvious that I was not in a healthy situation. I, I, I got support, but I got support way past the time that I needed it. And so being in relationships with men at that time I've, I've explained this to my son now, and I hope that it resonates for him while he has his girlfriend. You know, it's, it's okay to be attracted to each other. It's normal to have an attraction. It's normal to have curiosity. It's normal to want physical touch. But holding hands is always going to be sexy and romantic and exciting at 12 and 13 for as long as you hold hands kissing is going to be sexy and romantic and exciting at 12 and 13 for as long as you decide to kiss and this is what I told my son you know it's like all the other things they might they might pique your curiosity but they're not necessary right now and I don't you know I might get a lot of flack for that but I didn't grow up in a household where my parents told me that I didn't have to have sex with boys for them to like me I did not grow up in a household where I My parents told me I could tell them no, even in a relationship. Um, I did not grow up in a household where my parents told me that if I ever changed my mind, that I could say that. And so I can't be naive in my household to think that his girlfriend may not have that same opportunity or notion or knowledge. And it's not to say that her parents aren't talking to her because I don't know, you know, like I'm reaching that conversation as gently as I can with um, my son's girlfriend's parents. But that's the only control I have is to make sure that I'm planting seeds for him. That if she's dope enough that you'd hang out with her if you weren't having sex, then you shouldn't tell her you have to have sex. And if you guys decide one day that you want to have sex and she's like, that was fun, but I don't know that I really want to do it again, you should be in your heart and mind going, that's cool because I had fun with you before we had sex, so let's keep having fun without sex. Having sex under circumstances when you're not ready... Or you're not confident or you're not reassured and it's just on the table as an expectation. It really, really cemented all of this complex that I have about my body. All of these things that people said about my body, all of this trauma that I had held on to that was never addressed or never corrected or never healed... Having sex with somebody is just an act at that point. Being physically touched, being caressed, being adored, that was a completely separate act. And that was lacking from my relationships for a very long time. So it's natural that to me that that's what I would associate that with. At that time, you know, it's not what I needed, but it was. It was what I needed to feel like coming into my womanhood was valid. That femininity was beautiful. And I didn't get it in the messages that I wanted. But it was still relayed to me. You know. So that was hard. Because while I still would say to this day that I don't feel like my stories compare to other people's. It doesn't detract from the fact that stuff did happen to me. Stuff happened. Well, I mean, you know, when you say when you say it on the universe form, stuff happened for me. Like, I don't like to say that because the stuff that was happening was stuff that I wouldn't wish for your 15-year-old to have to go through. But there's no way around it, you know. It just is what it is. And there was so much more emotional trauma happening in those relationships than physical that... That superseded it for me. I ended up being coerced. I ended up being worn down. I ended up being brainwashed into thinking that behaviors that were normal were not normal in a relationship. Because I had been initially accepted in ways I had never been accepted before. So what I'm saying is that because this boyfriend that I was with was accepting me on a physicality level, was um, validating the one piece of the puzzle that hadn't been validated by men yet. My intellect had been, my humor had been, my interest in sports had been. So all of these things that checked all the boxes to be a cool girlfriend, I had nailed it I had an A plus on that report card but when it came to the body I did not I was not proportioned I didn't have breasts and that was a big deal in middle school um I was overweight and normal weight and overweight and normal weight so this was the final piece of the puzzle to make me feel like a woman but it wasn't under circumstances that I wanted to feel like a woman so that is the same equivalency is that if if When my parents taught me to tie my shoes when I was a kid, if they taught me that the order was that you put on a sock, a shoe, you tie your shoe, and then you move to the other foot and you put on a sock, a shoe, and you tie your shoe. If that was the order that they taught me to tie my shoes, more than likely at 35 I'm still tying my shoes in that same manner, okay? stick with me. Because if then all of a sudden you meet a friend when you're 35 and they put on both socks, they put on both shoes and then they tie both shoes, you're going to look at them like they're insane, right? Because you're going to go, why do you tie your shoes like that? That is so inefficient. It's not accurate. It's not how most people do it. Why do you do it like that? And they're going to go, yeah, but I still got my shoes tied and I've been doing it all this, all this time, all this way. I've been doing it all this time this way. Why would I change now? Why, why would I even question it, by the way? Why would I question that it's different or wrong just because it's not the same way that you did it? That's important because if at 15 years old, I learned that regardless of how a person treats me emotionally, regardless of whether or not a person keeps me safe physically, if they accept my body, which culturally speaking was the thing that screamed the loudest in terms of acceptance and being a woman then why would I not carry that with me into my next relationship? Even when that unhealthy relationship was over and done with, and I moved into my next one, why would I not think that I had to be validated through my body? Why would I not think that it was my obligation to do the things that I thought I had to do? Because that's how I learned to tie my shoes when it came to my body and sex. I hope that makes sense. So even when I became an intimacy coach, it didn't fix the problem of being uncomfortable with my body. Not in my body, not uncomfortable in my body because I've, I've learned to fix that, right? And I shouldn't say fix that, but it's an important discretion to make because after going through some personal development, after dropping a lot of weight, after putting 20 pounds back on, I'm still happy in my body. I still... Feel comfortable in my body. But when it comes to my actual body and somebody being receptive of it, somebody being aware of it, somebody even touching it, that's a completely different story. Because that is the foundation I learned about putting on my socks and tying my shoes, right? So it's been a conversation in our relationship for a while because. It's never a pressure conversation. It's just more of a curiosity. It's a curiosity of, of if somebody does this kind of thing for a living, how can you how can you not be comfortable being touched? And, and I don't want to get it twisted because I know that audience members, listeners here, it's not that you're judging me saying like, yeah, how could you get your shit together? Because everybody has their thing, right? Everybody has something, like I said at the beginning, like you maybe don't like physical touch. Maybe you don't like French kissing. Maybe you don't like it when somebody... Um, touches your tush, maybe you don't like it when somebody rubs your feet. Everybody's got something potentially, and it might not even be physical, right? It might not be physical, but it didn't bother me to a sense to figure it out. It was more of, like I said, a curiosity. And when I started to correlate these conversations for myself about like the uncomfortability of being touched in certain places, not deriving any pleasure from most of the places that were supposed to be pleasurable on your body, and then this realization of like wanting to get past it, has been why I've been overwhelmed and inundated with these memories from middle school because I'm starting to piece together that that's where it started from, you know, feeling uncomfortable in my body started when I was in elementary school and being told I was fat, but being uncomfortable into my intimacy started when men that I was supposed to trust and friends that I was supposed to trust degraded that body. So I have to relearn everything about being a woman and being comfortable in the skin and pleasure if, if I, if I really want to. But the only way to do that is to untangle those roots about intimacy and my body. And that's what I'm doing, you know? And so... In this moment, this like last week, trying to process all this together and being, trying, not trying, but being intimate with my partner and trying to allow more of that into my life and getting comfortable with it, it's hard because although my brain says like this, this person is not that person, it's the, uh, it's the learning to put my socks on at the same time and my shoes on at the same time and tying my shoes at the same time when all this time I've been doing it a different way, you know? So, Trying to relax in that moment and with my with my partner. It's baby steps for us, right? I, I shared on the, on the live the other night that we were just doing mild massage. And I, as I talked about earlier, it's the same kind of concept. Rubbing my feet to my ankles to my calf, I start to get more tense and more tense and more tense. The higher hands move up my legs. Regardless, if, if, if the expectation is it was just supposed to be a mild massage anyway, I still feel that way. I still feel nervous. I feel scared that they're going to touch something that has been deemed unworthy to be touched before. I I suspect, right? It's not about that. What it is is that it's tensing through shame and tensing through guilt and tensing through embarrassment and rejection and fear. That's the memory that I'm associating to that and recognizing that my husband isn't the person that cultivated that memory that's me i did that and i'm the one that holds on to it so the breakthrough wasn't easy the breakthrough wasn't easy but it was just kind of like a lightning bolt you know it wasn't it was not a plus b equals c the equation was right in front of me it was i'm feeling disgusting i'm feeling gross I'm, i'm reliving these memories to okay Put that aside on the back burner for a second and think about this moment. Think about this interaction. Is this the same as that seventh or eighth grade interaction? It's not. So what is this about? Well, this is about an individual who's held space for you for almost a decade. This is about an individual who's been so patient and kind with you. And it's always reassured you that if you decide you change your mind, whether that's about having sex or taking a shower together or just mild massage, you're allowed to do that. Never making me feel ashamed or guilty because I'll, I changed my mind, even though inside I was beating myself up because I was under the impression that because I set an expectation that something might happen that I had to fulfill that, whether I wanted to or not. Understanding that this human being is 10, 11 years older than your average partner that you've ever dated before. So their emotional integrity and wherewithal is is there. Not everybody that's 11 years older than you has this, but your partner does, Right. So understanding all of that was like the first portion. I still didn't get past it, but it was like this first portion of, oh, okay, okay, okay. Not having to associate him with that, okay? The reason that's important is because when we, again, when we want change to happen, we expect it to happen immediately and overnight, and it doesn't. And then we take it one step further that when you want change to happen and then you recognize why it's not, i.e. for me recalling my middle school childhood trauma and associating it in my 30s. That's understanding why, but it doesn't mean that it still changes. And that's where we start to get really hung up because it's like, well, now I know why I do it and now I know I want to change it, so why am I not changing it? Now I'm really frustrated with myself because I should have been able to change it and I didn't. Stop beating yourself about that, okay? Just stop it, okay? So it's always going to be about hanging out in that uncomfortability for a little while. What You choose how long, okay? You can choose to heal it immediately. You can choose to work on it. You can choose to focus on it you know, a little bit at a time. But it does take time to undo the learning process of how to tie your shoes for the first time and then choosing how you will then tie your shoes. Okay, so that's so important, y'all, because when I was able to put that on the back burner and then be there in that present moment with my partner, I, I, I work on an exercise all the time, but this is what I implement for myself. So I use this all the time in everything I do. But in that in particular instance, it was focusing on the future me I wanted to be. Who would I be if I could be as sensual and as sexy as I wanted to be? Who would I act as if I could feel as empowered as I wanted to as a woman? Who is that Rachel going to be? And I know I'm not there yet, but if I could be her, how would she feel in her body? How would she move in this bed? How would she um, touch her partner, right? So I, even though the fantasy might, might start to generate in my brain, I'm not necessarily confident enough to act it out, but at least I have the energy of the embodiment of that female coursing through my veins. And so why I say that is because maybe you do act a little more sensually. Maybe you do touch a little softer. Maybe you do, roll your hips a little more this time around. It's not full-blown vixen that you're ready for, but you start to integrate those steps slowly and surely just as you would if you were learning to walk again. So by the end of that night, I did cry. I did cry, and my husband doesn't know that I cried, okay? But it's not because I was embarrassed or ashamed or... Um, I don't know it was it was just cathartic it was an energetic release of of almost that i could physically feel the healing happening which was so important because it was freeing and it felt good and it just it was progress um and I've cried one other time, by the way. <laughs> but again, it was it was something along these lines. It, it was nothing that I felt like I had to share with him. I could, but I don't know that I was ready. And I definitely didn't want him to think that there was anything wrong because I was crying. It was just catharticism. It was just energetic release. It was just that I felt lighter, that I understood that I was given this gift of gratitude of the reason it feels so good now is because it had to feel so shitty before. And it's awareness of my journey. It's that I, I am punishing myself by reliving that thing that that girl said to me. It's, it's me punishing myself by associating the fact that if my breasts are not a certain size or a certain shape comparatively, then I'm not a woman. It's all that. Okay? It's all that. So, whew shake it off, shake it off and grow a little bit and be worthy of touch and pleasure and so on and so forth. And stay tuned because, you know, it it will be an ever present journey for me as I continue moving through this, but it, it will get better. It is getting better. And, uh, I guess if I can cry after sex and feel really good about it and then share that story, then maybe you'll get some value from it as well, I suppose. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes, but I do, I do choose I choose the new definition of who I am sorry I'm ripping up my notes um, how I choose to show up femininely uh, and as a partner and as a wife and you know as a lover and that sounds really cheesy and cliche but it's part of the identity that I want to adopt I, I want that to be very happy and healthy in my life and I guess that's what I'm going to do so I really hope that you got some value from that today I hope that you were able to take away Uh, whatever you need to, whether it's just a little bit of reflection, maybe some journaling, Um, you know, for me, it was just reflection. It was like pausing and understanding how I was feeling in that moment, being physically touched. And where it came from, where, when's the first time I can remember feeling uncomfortable about this or that or this feeling and then holding on to it instead of pushing it aside because it was so uncomfortable. I really held on to the uncomfortability of that emotion, that feeling, that statement that was made to me so that I could trace back to it so I could then forgive those people more than I had because I clearly haven't forgiven them um, all along and also reassuring little Rachel that it gets better. It's going to get better Rachel. You you can't be with the social circle forever because a lot of people you know ended up married to people in the social circle. A lot of people you know ended up marrying uh, most most people their age. If you would not have been outed from that social circle, you would have never went to the new school. If you would have never been um outing yourself from the new school, you wouldn't have, you know, gotten to your work crew. If you wouldn't have gotten into your work crew, you wouldn't have had that devastating relationship to really show you what a rock bottom looked like in one relationship it all cultivated for you to be able to meet this person that you would have never met if you would have stayed in the same social circle potentially so it sucked I don't wish it upon anybody but it was part of my journey to get where I am today with the best partner for me in this life right now for sure one thousand percent without a doubt uh he's the perfect partner for me to help me get to where I am. And I would have never grown into the businesswoman to the mother uh, that I am without his relationship and uh, being in my life. So that's the gratitude that comes from it. That's the beautiful, that's the healing right there is the, I had to take the crap to get the so, 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 so good. So, so good. So good. Okay. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to quite literally babble, even though I had notes, but really process and so you know if you get some value from the screenshot it uh, send me a message let me know i i I love hearing about where you're at for sure and um i look forward to the next time that we're able to connect some way somehow so uh, i appreciate you listening for sure and i hope that you enjoy the rest of your day as we're rolling into the fall season we're starting to shift seasons it's normal for most of us to, to start to go through potential illnesses anyway, but I want you to stay happy and healthy. So make sure that you're cleaning out that mental space. Make sure that you're moving your body. Make sure that you're hugging a tree and touching the ground and, you know, quite literally getting grounded. Make sure that you're apologizing to people you need to apologize to. Make sure you're distancing yourself from people that you just shouldn't be around at the moment. Anything and everything that you need to do to put your priority first as uh, self-care and then the collective good as well. I love you very much. I hope that you uh, have a fantastic rest of your week. Stay happy. Stay healthy and wash your hands. Bye-bye.